We turn in God's Word this morning to the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 16. Matthew, chapter 16. As we come to the conclusion of our series of messages on the trees of the Bible uh, that we have been looking at over the past number of months, we will return again uh, this evening to our study of uh, the book of Hebrews, uh, particularly Hebrews 12, verse 3. I invite you to spend some time reading that this afternoon as well. But this morning, uh, we're in the book of Matthew with uh, dealing with one last tree uh, in terms of our series, and that's our tree, the tree that we are required to have. So if you weren't looking here, if you didn't read it beforehand, and as we were going through the series and looking at all these different trees that God so beautifully uses in his word to point us to Christ, to Christ's death, to Christ's resurrection, with that glorious tree of life that waits us, did you pause for your own memory? Because you have to have it. Because if you don't have your own tree, you're not a Christian. Now, it's a pretty startling statement, but it's a biblical statement. So it's interesting to stop and think if we're not even thinking about the fact that we have our tree. then how closely are we truly living out that which Christ commands us and requires us to live out in life? It comes to us in Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to pick it up and read simply verses 24 through the end of the chapter, and this will then be our text this morning as well, but we're going to be considering the whole of Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to uh, save my voice just a little bit and not read the entire chapter, but we will be back in it referencing uh, the various portions. Let's hear then God's breathed out word regarding our tree. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone, would come after me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul. Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. As far the reading 
of God's breathed out word to you and I today. Let's bow in prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to open your word, and we, we ask humbly for your blessing on it. We pre pray that you'll be with Pastor Bob, strengthen his voice this day, bless him, and give him everything that he stands in need of to bring this message to us. And Father, uh, as we have confessed already in prayer, that um, all things were made through Christ, for Christ, to honor and glorify him. And we just thank you for the Savior that did not cling to the treasures of heaven, but let them go, even to obedience of death, but not only that, but death on a cross. And we just praise you for uh, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord and Savior to the glory of our God. And we pray that, Father, that hearts will be open for the hearing of this word this morning, that we will truly confess that to live is Christ. And it is the name of this Christ alone that we pray. Amen. And amen. So we want to look at two things, the context in which Jesus delivers these words. Secondly, the cross that Jesus speaks of, the context and the cross, our own personal tree. First of all, as we go back to the beginning of chapter 16, we, we note that in these opening verses, uh, verses 1 through 12, Jesus is addressing the society around him. He is in particular addressing the religious society around him. It is in that context, that background of the scribes, of the Pharisees, of the Sadducees, of the high priest, of the teachers of the law, that he gives in those first 12 verses that then we have to see this statement that comes to us. And as he deals with that society that religious society of the day, there are certain things that stand out. One, it is a society that demanded signs, and it's a society that demanded proofs. It was not a society based upon the revelation of God's truth. It was not a society that was based upon faith. It was a society that was based upon reason. And unless there was, there was God proving himself, unless there was going to be some visible sign, some visible demonstration, they would not believe. They dismissed, as it were, the revelation of God in his son, Jesus Christ. Remember how the book of Hebrews began when we studied that, right? God has come over time in many ways, in many different forms, but he has come to us now in the person of his son. No clearer revelation could be given. But the society was, no, we want nothing to do with Jesus. That was the religious society of the day. We want nothing to do with Jesus. We want nothing to do with the claims of Jesus. We want nothing to do with the authority of Jesus. We've got our own thing going here. We've got our own way of looking at things, our own way of forming things. And, and we're going to hold to that. And we don't care what Jesus says. The second thing that comes out in his dealing with that society is this warning that he gives to the disciples about the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees. 
Now, you have to understand that in that day, the, con- the idea of leaven represents sin. So what Jesus is saying is you need to be careful of the sin of the scribes and the Pharisees. Well, what is the sin? What is it that the disciples need to be so careful of? They need to be careful of the false teachings. But what are the false teachings? What what is Jesus honing in on here? He's honing in on the fact that they are self-righteous. Meaning, not so much the, the idea of the arrogance, yes, that's there. But the idea that they thought they could make themselves righteous. Righteous by self. Righteous by what I do. Now notice how that is going to be so opposite that which Jesus is going to say now at the end of this chapter. If you want to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself. You need to pick up your cross and you need to follow me. It's a complete reversal of where the society, the religious society of that day was. The idea that somehow through that which we do, we can earn our salvation. We don't need Christ. We don't need the cross. We don't need his suffering. We don't need the resurrection. We don't need his authority. We don't need his teaching. We don't need his righteousness. We'll do it ourselves. In that regard, I think we would simply have to conclude that section by saying, not that much different than our day in our society. Well, I'm not talking about the pagan world. I'm talking about the church world, the religious society of today that really wants nothing to do with Christ. They want nothing to do with Jesus. They want nothing to do with the authority of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. Nor do they want anything really to do with the cross. They want everything to do with their own religious schemes. But secondly, the second thing that stands as far as the context is Peter's great confession, which takes place in verses 13 through 20. So you have the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious teachers, that's in the context. But then also in the background to these words of Jesus stand this this great Statement of Peter, right? Who do you say that I am is the question Jesus asked. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Ah, Peter. Great words. Didn't come from your heart. Didn't come from your mind. They came from God. A reminder that once again... None of us, even by our own declarations, can become righteous. It's all a gift of grace. And yet there is that great confession. Right? Jesus has just warned about scribes and Pharisees and their rejection of him. Peter stands and says, through the inspiration of the Father, through the work of the Father, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of Of God. You're not what they're saying. 
Well, if he is, and if you want to follow him, if he truly is the Christ, the Son of God, then we need to hear Jesus' words, then deny yourself, pick up your piece of wood, pick up your tree, and follow me. The third thing that comes in context here is the reality. And by that I mean Jesus now, after following Peter's great confession, reveals again, states again the reality of the fact he is going to go to Jerusalem, he is going to suffer many things, verse 21. He is going to be killed. Peter takes him aside. One who just made the great confession. Oh, no, 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 no. Get behind me, Satan. Here's the reality. Here's the reality. I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And now Jesus draws his disciples to him. In the background of those three things, he draws his disciples to them for a time of teaching. And that's what we have now in this section. Jesus is teaching. What is he teaching about? He's teaching about your tree. Let's go down through verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I want you to note number one. It is required of every follower of Jesus. It is required. It is a necessity that you have your own tree. It is required that we take up our cross. If anyone would, meaning there is no possibility to follow me without you with your tree in tow. Let me reference two other passages where it is recorded of Jesus speaking these similar words. Go with me to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Verse 34 is where we'll pick it up. Matthew 10, 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves... Remember what I said? We, We don't really like the authority of Jesus anymore. Whoever loves father or mother more than me, is not worthy of me. 
And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Note how insistent Jesus is upon the fact if you want to be his disciple, you need to have your tree. Let's go to one more. Luke chapter 14. Pick it up at verse 25, Luke 14, 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, his wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me. What's the next word in the ESV? What's the next word? Cannot. Is there a possibility of being a disciple of Jesus without your tree? No. Is that me? No. Is that some reformed confession? No. Is that some theologian? No. That is Jesus Christ. Without your tree, you cannot be a disciple. That's what he said. Now we could fluff it up, I suppose. We could probably be dismissive of it. We could probably, you know, well, he didn't really mean exactly what he said. Of course, then we're not much different than the folks who deny the resurrection. We're not much different than the folks who deny the power of the cross. We're not much different than the folks who, who deny the authority of the word. We're not much different than are we of the folks who deny God as the creator because they play the same game. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So first of all, this tree that he's speaking of here in Matthew chapter 10 or Matthew chapter 16 is required. I, I, I hope we, we don't need to continue to underscore the point. It is required. Secondly, it is also personal. Note his autos. It is a personal pronoun. His Self. It's used to distinguish and particularize from the general. Jesus is not saying, whoever would come after me must pick up his cross. Now let me reinterpret his for you. His means the church. So somewhere, someplace, if there is someone who is picking up their cross, well, then it's fulfilled. Then I've done my duty because there is some Christian somewhere at some time in some place 
who has picked up their cross. Therefore, I'm good to go. Because somebody else is doing it. But because we're both Christians, that's as good as me doing it. That is not what Jesus is saying. The Greek will not allow us to do that. The words will not allow us to do that. It is personal. Every single disciple of Jesus Christ is required to have their tree. I must have one. You must have one. Your children must have one if they are going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Your neighbor, your friend, your colleague must have their tree if they are to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's how intense Jesus is making this. Whoever would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. Your personal cross. Your personal tree. And follow me. Thirdly, but before picking up your tree, you know, there is something that precedes it. You can't pick up your tree without denying yourself. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his tree. I can't pick up the tree if I'm not denying self. It means to completely surrender. Remember the hymn we sing? Okay. I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. I surrender all. what is it that, that we have to deny? Do we, do we have to be like, you know, the, the guys in the Middle Ages who decided, well, part of my denial is I'm going to lie on a bed of nails and I'm going to deny myself the comfort of a mattress when I sleep at night. I'm going to deny myself conversation with individuals, so I'm going to live up on a pole 30 feet in the air. I'm going to go live in some cave in the, the, the mountains of northern Greece and, and I'm going to just live there as a hermit the rest of my... See, I'm denying myself. Now that isn't what Jesus means. What this idea of denying self means is that whatever comes in conflict with the claims of Christ upon your life and upon my life, we deny ourselves. Christ lays claims upon our lives. We cannot have, for example, sexual relations outside of a marriage relationship. We have to deny ourselves. Jesus says 
that we are not to take revenge. We are to deny ourselves. Jesus says we are not to engage in coarse joking. We are to deny ourselves. Jesus says we are not to belittle a brother or sister in Christ. We are to deny ourselves. We are to resist the temptation whenever we see a post or something on that computer screen to immediately bam, 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 bam. We are to deny ourselves. We are to be like Christ who emptied himself and became fully obedient to the will of God. That's what it means to deny oneself. Doesn't mean, well, you know, every Sunday morning I'm not going to have breakfast. I'm going to fast Sunday mornings before worship. It isn't what he means. Because there's nothing wrong, there's nothing, no command of God that says, thou shalt not eat breakfast before Sunday morning worship. But God's claims on our life are that which we are to surrender our lives to. Now, of course we don't do this perfectly. Of course we don't do this without sin. Of course we sin. Of course we fail. But what do we do when we fail? That ah, doesn't matter. Who cares? Who cares? That's ah, just another sin. Or is it a coming again to the Lord? I confess I have sinned. I have failed. And I look to Christ. And I deny myself. I seek to do your will. Of course, you have to care about what God's will is. You have to know what God's will is. You have to stay studying God's will. Because as we've all learned in life... There are certain things in God's word that at different times, at different places in our lives, come to us and hit us differently. Because we're at a different stage. Right? When we're a young family and we're, 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 we're really treading water financially, okay, there, there isn't much temptation going on to spend frivolously. When we get a little older, the house gets emptied, and all of a sudden we've got more spending money. Now all of a sudden we, we can easily begin to spend frivolously. And God's word, as it speaks to us about that subject, confronts us differently than when we were 25 with four little kids. So we keep studying. Because God keeps speaking. It is a living word of God. It's not a dead word. It's not an inactive word. It's not a word that sits on the side. It's a word that keeps coming to us in different times, at different phases in our lives. Right? This past year, have there not been verses that all of a sudden your eyes are like, wow, does this past year 
Help me to better understand that verse. I want to do his will. Your tree is required. It's personal. You have to have one. It's preceded by denying yourself. But fourthly, it's also defined. The word, storos. It is literally the cross piece of the Roman cross. It's not the piece that goes up and down. It's the piece that your, your arms get nailed to or strapped to. It's that beam. It's that piece of wood. See, there's another part of the cross, but that's waiting. That's waiting at a hole. That's waiting on the ground. It's laying on the ground. And it's waiting for you to come. And it's waiting for you to lay down upon. And it's waiting for you to be lifted up and then dropped into that hole. But what Jesus is saying to you and I is, carry your own cross piece. Carry your own tree. Remember where we were? Monday, Thursday? Right? The only type of crosses there are, are crosses that are made out of wood. The Romans are not manufacturing steel I-beams upon which to crucify people. The Romans aren't manufacturing some sort of super metal upon which people are now going to die. They're not putting together a bunch of spears upon which they're going to crucify people. It's wood. Crosses are pieces of wood. And the only place wood comes from is a tree. So are you carrying your tree? That's why Peter and that's why the New Testament interlaces that word cross with tree. He himself, says Peter, bore our sins on the tree. On the tree. Yes, a piece of wood. Yes, a cross. Are you carrying? Do you have your cross piece? Now, what does that mean? Does it mean we, we all have to literally go to Jerusalem and we have to walk the Via Della Rosa with a piece of wood strapped to us and then we have to go to a hill called Golgotha? No. Now, that cross represents two things, doesn't it? It represents sacrifice, but it also represents love. We are to take up our cross. We are to take up that which is necessary for us to do to demonstrate the love of God in this world. And we have to be willing to make the sacrifices that are necessary to make that love of Christ shown in this world. Even if it means suffering, and death for the sake of Christ. We are not dying to make a point. Except the point 
of the love of God for us in Jesus Christ. Because you see, we've already denied ourselves. Now pick up the cross. A cross of sacrifice. A cross of love. A cross of sacrificial love. Pick up your tree. If you want to be my disciple, pick up your tree. The application of this, <laughs> this is, to me, is so remarkable. Go with me to Matthew chapter 27. This is so vividly portrayed. Right? Well, what do you mean, Jesus? Deny yourself, pick up your cross. And follow me. Here we are. We're on the way to Golgotha. Verse 32. Matthew chapter 27. Jesus. Is carrying his cross. He's denying himself. To do the will of God. John chapter 5, I have come to do the will of him who sent me. Praying in the garden the night before, yet not as I will, but as thou will. He's carrying his cross. Do you want to know what it means? You want to see it? As they went out, verse 32 says, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. Our first reading of that is, right, the first reading, when we first read it, our first inclination, which is the right inclination, it's the right conclusion to draw first of all, is that his refers to who? Jesus, right? It refers to Simon was given the cross of Jesus, and then what happens? Jesus goes before and Simon follows. <laughs> Don't think for a moment, my friends, that when Matthew, through the Spirit, is penning these words, he's not thinking of chapter 16, verse 24. Let a man deny himself, take his cross, and follow him. Yes, our first understanding is what? We're picking up the cross. What cross? Our cross. But whose cross is it? It's Jesus' cross. And then what are we doing? We're following him. And God vividly portrays it before us. But then the question arises, is it really only Jesus' cross? Or has Jesus' cross become Simon's cross? Is he now carrying his cross? He is denying himself. He is carrying his cross. And he is following Jesus. Now I don't think that's there to, to tell us something about the spirituality of Simon. That's not the point I'm trying to make. 
I think that passage is there just so we get the visual. You want to see what this looks like? You need a concrete sign? Back to the beginning of Matthew chapter 16. You want a concrete sign of what I mean? Watch. There's going to be a man who is going to be carrying my cross and he's going to be following me. It's his cross now. It's on his back. It's on his shoulder. Pick up your tree. The tree of Christ. Not the tree of some political party. Not the tree of some political agenda. Not the tree of some personal desires and wants. You pick up the tree of Christ. You pick up the crossbeam of Christ. And you put it on so that it is no longer his but yours. It's now your tree. It's your cross. But you follow Christ. And my friends, this is not some general idea of suffering. This is not, oh man, I got a sliver in my finger yesterday. Oh well, we all have to, you know, bear our cross for Christ. Went to the doctor, had a test, and Says, I got cancer. Well, you know, we have to bear our own cross. Now, this is not general suffering. This is not just pain from sickness and illness. This is not the consequences and results of accidents. These are not the circumstances in life. Well, you know, stock market's down. Nobody's building houses anymore. I guess we got to bear our cross for Christ. No, no, no general stuff like that. This is particular. This is specific. This is the suffering. This is the sacrificial love. And the persecution. And the suffering that comes. Because we are carrying the cross of Christ. That is our tree. It is because we are a believer in Jesus Christ and we so desire to love sacrificially as Christ has loved. That yes, men ridicule us. Yes, people make fun of us. Yes, they laugh in our face. Yes, they mock us. Yes, they taunt us. And it might come the day that they beat us and they whip us and they imprison us and they're going to put us on a literal stake. But it's because of Christ. It's because of our desire to follow him. All the way to Golgotha. All the way to death. If needs be. Are we prepared? Are you prepared for that? We've had it easy. Those of you who are older than I. Those of you who are my age. And those of you who are younger. We've had it easy. We've had it good. Living in this land of freedom and plenty. We've had it good. But are you prepared? Are you prepared? 
to truly suffer for Christ? Are you prepared to so love? You're going to pick up your cross, your tree, and you're going to follow him. Are you preparing your children for that? Are you preparing them for that? Are you educating them about what is going on in our world and in our society? Are you preparing them? You might say, well, that's all scary stuff. If anyone would be my disciple, what greater blessing is there than to be a disciple of Christ? Are you preparing your children? And are you yourself prepared? This is not prophetic utterances. This is just looking at what's happened in the last year of life. Are you prepared to deny yourself, to take up your cross, and to follow Christ? All those trees of the Bible, oh, they're so beautiful, so special, so unique. So much teaching, so much encouragement. But if you would be his disciple, you have to pick up your cross, denying yourself, and follow him. This happened once before in history. Oh no, it's happened multiple times before in history. And you know what was the result? The church of Jesus Christ became stronger, bolder, fuller. Because God blessed. Be prepared. Let's turn in our hymn books as our...